3: On May 3rd, 1998, a dreary rain set in over the Fuji Speedway during round two of the All Japan Grand Touring Championship. A thick wall of fog and relentless heavy rain blanketed the racetrack in almost unmanageable conditions. The safety car finished lap one, just ahead of 45 race cars, and spotted a deep puddle in its path. The driver pumped the brakes slightly. Just behind it, Tomohiko Sanako braked hard and hydroplaned his Porsche 911 into the back of another car. Squinting through the dense fog, Tetsuya Ota began to slow his Ferrari F355, but instead hydroplaned and slammed right into Sanako's 911 head on. The Ferrari was packed with race fuel and the explosion engulfed both cars in a massive fireball. As the car continued to smolder with Ota trapped inside, Shinichi Yamaji steered around the debris and slid his RX-7 to a stop next to the burning Ferrari. Imaji tore open the thin door of the wrecked supercar and pulled Oda's burning but still breathing body from the wreckage. It was one of the worst wrecks in racing history and somehow everyone survived. How did racing in Japan go from boring to worldwide phenomenon? How did punishing drivers that won lead to better racing and how did a 1997 Chevy Cavalier wind up in the middle of a Japanese race? This week on Pass Gas, it's the history of racing in Japan and some of the fascinating stories behind the All Japan Grand Touring Championship.
4: Pass Gas Podcast. It's about cars. It's not about ports. Bro. J-G-T-C. Some of the coolest cars ever.
3: Some of our favorite cars that we've ever covered on the channel in a lot of our videos uh, had deep roots in this racing series. A lot of the innovation Mm -hmm. came from the desire
4: to win this racing series. And even though that intro was downright grisly. Terrifying. And scary and sad and kind of weird to start out the whole episode with. (laughs) uh, The cars (laughs) mentioned in it are cars that like... Go on the street, This yeah. is my favorite kind of race. We got RX-7, we got Ferraris, we Porsche. got 9/11. Porsche 911. These are cars that you can theoretically
3: buy and we drive can't, around. Can't forget about that Chevy Cavalier. No, Looking Chevy forward Cavalier, we got that part of the story.
4: All right, guys, if this episode just came out. It's the day this came out. You still have time. If it's the next day or the day after, if you listen to this three days late, it's already too late. <laughs> Pause. Go buy as many Chevy Cavaliers as you possibly can. Oh yeah! Because by the time this episode is done, the market will be
0: hopping. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the donut effect is going to take the donut these effect guys. is
4: going to take take hold and you won't be able to afford a Chevy Cavalier, but if you got in early, guess what? Oh, Is that your kid thanking you? Yeah. Papa, <laughs> thank you for buying me college in the form of multiple Cavaliers. There
0: Is you know. a, um, Does Tom Cruise drive a Cavalier in yes. Days of Thunder?
3: Yes. Absolutely.
0: That, okay, <laughs> then my my dad actually got a company car Cavalier in the early 90s. Yeah. That Did was it? like the hot, oh, he hot dri- version. Yeah, I think he
4: does drive a Cavalier, not in the race. Oh, but in
0: the but film, it, oh.
4: like in the um, did it have a mellow yellow paint job?
3: No, in it was bright red,
0: oh. and it was like not the ZL one, but it was something that sounded like yeah. that. Him and Rowdy when they get
4: the rental cars mm-hmm. and they race on the way to dinner. Wow, I think they're driving cabs. Cab
5: yeah, those calves. But not dude.
4: not in nineteen ninety seven Cavalier. Those are eighties. Dude, the brake those pedals are, pedals are and
0: then. the gas pedal is so hard to push that you actually got like really ripped calves. Really, yeah, by, yeah. Your dad's calves are big huge, thighs, huge, like unproportionate. A, your dad looks like a speed birthday skater. cake. <laughs> I don't know where I'm talking. Yeah, about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your dad's got them birthday cake calves. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like the ice cream logs. <laughs> yeah, that, the old ice cream that guy's logs. got ice cream
4: logs for legs. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Wow. Well, I can't wait to get into this episode. Great topic and something that we've kind of... I can't believe we haven't...
4: Been dancing around it for ages. I, yeah. I'd like to dedicate this episode of Past Gas to our associate producer, Jimmy James Hilton. Yeah. A huge fan of JGTC, huge fan of everything Japanese. Yeah. And probably the reason that, you know, in some
0: way that we're doing this. He mm-hmm. definitely consulted on this episode as well. Oh, if
4: you want to know anything about... Center lock wheels, yeah. or <laughs> Obscure um, teddy racing bear seats. rims, <laughs> <laughs> or mirrors that don't yeah. really work.
3: Yeah, definitely hit up, up Jimmy Russell yeah. Jimmy JP on Instagram. Connect with him. All right, let's get into it. In the early days of racing, Japan lagged behind the rest of the world. In 1907, England opened Brooklyn's Motor Circuit, the first official banked speedway in the world, and led the way in automobile racing. Just two years later, the United States unveiled the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But it would be another 27 long years before Japan cleared space for their own racetrack.
4: That's a long time.
3: That is. When the Tamagawa Speedway opened a 1.2-kilometer oval track in 1936, racing had been conducted in the traditional Japanese fashion, on the roads and illegally. But with an official outlet for racing now established, big names started to play catch-up and they purpose-built race cars for the track. This track wasn't like modern Japanese speedways. Tamagawa was more like the dirt ovals that peppered the countryside across the South in America.
0: We're talking about ketchup and pepper. I'm getting hungry. Uh. Ketchup and pepper, throw it on a Mater sandwich. Talk about the South.
4: (laughs) Yum,
3: yum. (laughs) During the inaugural race at Tamagawa, a little-known 29-year-old gearhead named Soichiro Honda drove a turboed Ford and set yeah. the track record of 120 kilometers per a hour.
4: turboed car back then?
3: I guess so, that's gnarly. Like in
4: the 30s? Odd. Just before he flipped
3: the car three times and lost the use of an eye. What a day. <laughs> Ups and downs, and rounds and rounds. Nissan, uh, which was only a three-year-old company at the time, fielded their NL75, a high-tech, for 1936, modified, open-wheeled Roadster that packed a supercharged, Dual overhead cam four cylinder that stomped all competitors in its first race. What so is
0: this, all, all these supercharged and turbocharged engines in the '30s that, that I, I didn't was, know about, dude? And dual well, overhead cam.
3: I mean, yeah, that's actually probably yeah.
0: the crazier the part because
3: Cadillac they had like a big supercharged like sixteen cylinder engine. It's not uncommon. Studebaker had a supercharged yeah, engine. Those big American companies they had they had <gasps> power outers
0: like that. Well, supercharge makes more sense than turbo. Mm-hmm. Turbo's really started taking off in like the '60s and '70s, and so I, that's why it, there's a disconnect for me.
4: Yeah, it's pretty pretty crazy. Yeah, and even though this was back in the '30s, they're still very Japanese because they're four-cylinder, dual overhead mm. cam yeah. with uh, forced induction. It's pretty cool. Rather than big old honking V8s. Honking.
3: Instead of
0: like anime stickers, they had those like traditional Japanese like wave paintings yeah. on their windows
3: while soichiro honda stepped away from racing he kept focus on making honda a household name the racing scene stayed competitive until world war ii when things slowed down dramatically for obvious reasons but in the rubble of world war ii honda and others began to
4: rebuild with a dream of racing but it wasn't until the 1960s that japan got back on track In 1962, Suichiro Honda surprised the world by opening the Suzuka International Racing Course as a test track for Honda cars. The course, which had dreams beyond breaking Honda N600s, was destined to become a legend in F1 racing. The 5.8 kilometer course featured an unusual for the time figure eight layout joined with an overpass designed by the legendary course designer John Hugenholtz. Hugin whenever and I go hugging holds yeah whenever <laughs> I go home I see my girlfriend I, I hug and holds <laughs> then a few years later the 12 turn two kilometers Cuba circuit opened which went down in history for time attack racing and the country was openly competing to attract big name races as the rest of the world was being dominated by NASCAR and Formula One
0: is that is it still two kilometers because mm-hmm. that's like really small it's
4: still a very short course mm-hmm. yeah you can
3: It's like a mile. It's like pretty common to get under a minute lap time there. Whoa, yeah. I mean, if you've played a lot of Gran Turismo, you've definitely done yeah. a lot of laps there. Lot of
4: laps, yeah. boy. Lot, lot of laps. You trying yeah, to baby. Keep, keep me?
3: I am, dude. You've
4: never watched Hot Version, dude? You ever watched <laughs> Hot Version, dude? While Richard Petty was winning titles at the Daytona 500, Japan was hosting fairly uneventful but very competitive races filled with Volkswagen Beetles and tiny Datsun 210s. The bravado of the snarling American race cars that were willing to exchange paint and push each other into walls attracted the eyes of journalists who wanted to cover every move of the racing showmanship. So when NASCAR banned Mopar's Hemi Motors, it created a media superstorm and attracted millions of new fans with big controversy.
5: Hmm.
0: I didn't know that they got banned.
3: Well, that's the arrow cars, you know, the pointy ones, the Superbirds, the Daytonas. It
0: wasn't just the Hemi that got banned.
3: No, but I mean that's those were the cars that were winning, yeah. and then that you could only run that with like a three hundred five cubic inch V eight. So mm-hmm. they got they got nerfed big time at the uh, request of Ford. Just V7.
0: like frickin' boombox guy in Overwatch. <laughs> yeah. At the same time in the UK, Sterling Moss had
4: gone from lightning fast racer to Playboy extraordinaire and brought racing even further into the mainstream. His larger-than-life persona and entertaining stories as a color commentator for ABC's Wild World Sports turned race car drivers into household names. But back in the land of the rising sun, it was more about cars than drivers. WWE-style grudge matches didn't play well amongst Japanese viewers like it did in the States. But seeing everyday cars pushing the limits caught the attention of fans.
3: As the 1970s melted into the 80s and NASCAR dominated the United States and Le Mans stirred Europe into a frenzy, Japan took another shot at building their own racing league. The Japanese Automobile Federation decided to get crazy with racing. The company, founded in 1963, had started as Japan's version of AAA. Hmm. But they slowly took interest in track racing and started laying down the rules. As the JAF watched average speeds climb into the triple digits, They decided they wanted a piece of the action that was so popular in the rest of the world
0: i just imagine like triple a tow truck drivers like racing Mm -hmm. towing cars behind them
3: (laughs) and maybe like they have teams and to make a pass one of them like puts their ramp down and the other truck jumps off
0: yeah Mm -hmm. oh that's fun and they have to put the little triangle yeah thing on the and they do pit stops
4: at speed on the back of another truck that's sick So, the All Japan
3: Endurance Championship was born in 1983. It was designed for Group C and IMSA prototype-style cars. These are the one-off custom-built race cars that were limited to a minimum weight of 800 kilograms and could only carry 100 liters of fuel. They also limited fuel flow to uh, put a limit on engine output. This racing series abandoned the idea of attainable daily-driven sports cars. Instead, they went full-bore mad scientist and developed cars like the Porsche 962C, which was a sleek rocket of a car, packing a 3-liter twin-turbo flat-six that made close to 700 horses and could reach speeds of over 215 miles per hour.
0: All I gotta say is, wowee. No, Wowie yeah. indeed. All I gotta say
4: is I concur. Wowie. <laughs>
3: Japan hoped that unleashing the beasts constrained by other races would be a winning formula, but fans didn't feel the same way. Turnout was underwhelming, and the cost to build these custom racing monsters was astronomical and couldn't be justified by executives. In reality, the race turned into a decade-long grudge match between slightly different custom-built Porsche models and tweaked Nissans. The JAF tried to get back to their roots by tweaking the rules once again and relaunching the Japanese Touring Car Championship in 1985. Companies were sick of dumping their cash into prototypes, and fans were bored with watching teams driving Porsches dominating races with their unlimited budgets and German engineerings. So, Group A production cars were relaunched. The cars in Group A are based directly on their production counterparts, with heavy limits placed on things like power, weight, and aerodynamics. These restrictions not only kept costs way down for manufacturers, they make it so any regular Joe can walk into a dealership and walk out with their very own race car, kind of.
4: Uh, Two of the most famous Group A cars. These are very cool-looking cars. You got Mercedes 190E. You also got E30 M3s. Mm-hmm. And if you have uh, any Group A E30 parts, especially mirrors, email us at passgas at donutmedia.com. I will buy them from you. I have an E30 BMW. And I love race car stuff. So passgas at donutmedia.com. I will buy Group A stuff for
5: you.
0: All right. Especially let's, mirrors, the ones with the holes in them. Let's move past this shopping section. Uh, does Evolution, is that tied to Group A or Rally in any I think
3: way? usually when you see Evolution on a race car, it means it's like the second version of that car.
0: Like the 190E Evo?
3: Yeah.
5: Hmm.
3: Or it's like an improved version of what they did oh yeah well at least wow. that's how you see it in like uh like f1 still uses that term evolution okay like you'll see mid-season mercedes will be like here's our blah 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 it doesn't evolution. have
0: anything to do with like homologation well maybe, yeah, maybe
3: but it's also a cool cool word i love it yeah. i love
0: like the pajero evo mm-hmm. they won't
4: sell mitsubishi lancer evolutions in mississippi no Right. <laughs> They call a
0: Mitsubishi
4: oh. Lancer uh, creation, creation theory. theory.
0: Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Get it. Yep. <laughs> Mitsubishi
4: Lancer Intelligent Design. <laughs> that, actually <laughs> that actually sounds that pretty good. Intelligent yeah. Design is, would no. be a sick name for a car.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ID stands <laughs> for Intelligent Design. There's, there's got to be a card like that. God A-M-A. made it. <laughs> God made it.
3: We'll get back to more past guests, but right now, a word from our sponsors
1: in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's dot com.
0: Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows.
3: Because (sighs) Group A was back, Japanese eyeballs were treated to edgier seat racing in cars they could feasibly go out and buy. It was truly a win on Sunday, sell on Monday situation. There are three divisions. There is under 1600cc, 1600 to 2500cc, and... 2500 cc and above engine sizes division 3 was dominated by tiny cars like honda civics division 2 was all e30s Yeah, and div 1 was where the magic happened. This is where Godzilla reigned supreme Godzilla the r32 skyline GTR was built Mm. specifically for division 1 with a factory 2.6 liter straight 6 that pumped out an alleged 276
4: horsepower. Uh, yeah. Uh, Underline the jet. I, I
3: think it made a little more on the race track. <laughs> The factory iron block could take a beating, and utilizing some factory tricks like a shorter stroke could boost high speeds. And improved throttle bodies helped with throttle responsiveness. And that's what made this all-wheel drive monster into a legend.
0: What I learned from Jerry is that A shorter stroke means you can rev higher and get to higher speeds. Mm -hmm. A longer stroke, which is like what diesel engines use, uh, Mm -hmm. gives you a lot more torque. Yeah, more twisting force. Yeah.
4: The new intelligent intelligent design (laughs) design with twisting force technology.
3: (laughs) The GTR absolutely destroyed the competition. Division one turned into a GTR parade as Nissan racked up wins for all 29 races from 1990 to 1993.
4: The, just, just say because this is one of the most amazing uh, statistics in all of sports, let alone motorsport. Yeah, how many of the twenty nine races from nineteen ninety 1990 to nineteen ninety
0: three did the GTR win? Uh, all of them. All of them. Uh, all. of them. I'll take all of them for six hundred, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> all of them. Every
4: single one of them. They didn't lose once. Those guys had a good weekend every time. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you go want to go win at the track? This <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I can't uh, go to your soccer game, Bill. I gotta go win at the track. Okay. I understand, Dad. Why'd you <laughs> name me a grown-up name? Because <laughs> I win every race. My son is even a man. One specific GTR,
3: the Cal Sonic GTR, uh, yes. featuring a 650 horsepower RB26DETT, stands for twin turbo, driven yeah. by... Kazuyoshi Hoshino and Satoshi Motoyama won more than half of those 29 races. And this was a car you could own. Well, kind of. Again, this <laughs> yeah, was like yeah. a specific—this is a race this is race, a race car. car.
4: But it's based on a real car. Yeah, you yeah. can go It's not out, like a NASCAR.
3: No. You could go out and buy the V-Spec, too, mm-hmm. which uh, was built in celebration of these wins. And that's why this racing series was so popular. This
4: is the one from Gran Turismo 4. Yes. Yeah.
3: Yes. Staying with Japanese racing tradition, they decided to tweak the rules and get rid of the insanely popular Group A, and replaced it with Super Touring Class. This made four-door saloon cars the norm, and rules dictated that they look just like every other four-door saloon car on the road. So, big budgets had to make a comeback. As wheel wells were tubbed, everything underneath was heavily modified to fit the stock
4: body. These are stock-looking cars, but they are not stock. They are cars. not.
0: Is this something that the car companies are pushing for so that they can sell more cars, or what? It's Why do they keep changing possible,
4: rules? Yeah,
3: you know, like racing series and the manufacturers have like a very kind of symbiotic relationship. Yeah, you know, racing is is advertising, basically, mm-hmm. uh, from a manufacturer perspective. So yeah, if they won't, if they think that making the cars look like something that the customer is going to go out and buy. Yeah, then yeah, totally.
0: Even if it's detrimental to the, like the attendance of the race. Well, I think no, but I think like what
4: they were saying in Japan, they wanted to see cars that looked like cars they could buy. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, dude, you know what? What they're probably going to start making movies where they where AI About replaces us. the main character with your face. So you Oh like,
4: yeah, totally. <laughs> you, you can like pay a premium to be like, hey, I want to see a movie. Yeah with Vin Diesel yeah. and Robert Williams, and it's about... <laughs> I want to be Star-Lord. <laughs> and I want to be Star-Lord, in yeah. it. and you can make that movie.
0: Yeah, look at how I can dance. I dance.
4: <laughs> I like the funny songs. Remember back yeah. then? Oh, yeah, I love when they
0: play Boston.
4: Uh, but as far <laughs> like racing being advertising, I read that the Aston Martin safety car mm-hmm. has sold... Uh, $80 million worth of cars oh for my Aston God. Martin, <laughs> yeah. which is like not a ton for yeah. most car companies, but for Aston Martin is apparently good, a lot. Pretty good number. So yeah, that's a that lot. That worked. And that thing is so sick. Yeah. Looks you can good. buy.
3: Looks like an RX-7 in the back. Yeah.
4: Aston Martin F1 spec. Uh, if you want to buy me one, I'll do literally anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, pass gas at Tony's. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, though, this kind of modified
3: car uh, got pretty expensive. And once again, factory teams dropped out. Uh, One after the other as costs balloon and fans lost interest. But by the start of the 1990s, the J.A.F. saw the writing on the wall and began tweaking the rules once more.
4: If there was anything Japan loved, it was watching Japanese cars dominate the racetracks. But even super fans got tired of watching R32's checkered flag every single week. So the JAF took action and threw out the old rule book. They threw it right in the trash, boy, and that trash is on fire. And it's also a toilet. They flushed that rule book down the trash toilet.
0: Where an alligator chomped it up. Boom, boom, boom. And then it pooped it out into a
4: blender. And then that blender was shot into space. And they made a new one. <laughs> They started from scratch and decided that they wanted a racing series where no one would have to watch Team Porsche or Team Nissan snatch W's all season. The JF started thinking like a startup in the hopes of preserving fans' attention spans, meaning they moved fast and broke things by changing the rules as they went. That's like what we do. We're (laughs) a (laughs) startup. They adjusted when they saw certain drivers or teams dominating. The new rules sought to weigh down the fastest winningest cars. Literally, if you placed first the next race, you got an extra 50 kilograms of weight added to your car <laughs> as a reward for winning in the hopes it would make the race more competitive. Uh, guess what, guys? It
0: did. That's like a one-tenth of an Nolan.
4: That's fun, dude. I love that. I think it's lame. When, like, someone's winning, and then they make new rules, and they don't admit that that's why they're making new yeah. rules. Like, that's pretty wack But if to they're d- upfront about it. Yeah, if, like, you yeah. know before you win the race, you're like, all right, I'm winning, but that means I'm going to have 50 kilograms of weight in my car next yeah. week. Like, that's fun.
0: You could even be strategic about that if there's, like, you know, you could finish in second, mm-hmm. and, and then... <laughs> yeah, there's a, know, a new meta. There's
3: a different kind of meta going on,
4: dude. Yeah. 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 Or you could... Just lose fifty kilos that week.
0: Oh, that's another. Yeah, yeah. show up in a like, fat suit. Mm-hmm. And you could binge and purge. Yeah, yeah. Binge Healthy. and purge.
4: <laughs> the JGTC started with GT1 and GT2 classes. GT2 was filled with production cars, while GT1 was dominated by the out-of-control supercars that took forever to unlock on Gran Turismo. Nice. GTRs once again started winning race after race, but the cars alongside them were much more competitive than before. Kaichi Tsuchiya showed up in his black and red wide body Porsche 911 Carrera RS 3.8. Masami Kagiyama brought a brand new 300 ZX. That's cool. Nahiro for Uya had a Lancia 037. Cool. Tetsuya Oda debuted a Ferrari F40. Yes. Suck. Takaya Wada rolled up in a Countach. Wow, this is a fun race. Yeah, this is a fun-as-f race. Fans were in love again with racing. But once again, GT1 became too expensive to race. After a few seasons, the JF cut back and launched the soon-to-be legendary classes of GT300 and GT500. GT300 was made up of production cars that put down 300 horsepower, and GT500. Guess...
0: I don't know, no, 750? 500
4: horsepower. Uh, oh, geez. my God. Now that you say that. it
0: yeah. makes sense. That's actually
3: pretty easy to remember. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty,
4: yeah. Uh, and they were all on the track at the same time. What? Which meant that passing slower cars was going to become a consistent challenge, just like in endurance racing.
5: hmm
4: It was pretty simple formula. And while GT300 was a bit overlooked, it was still a hyper-competitive class. I feel like I'm a GT300 guy. Yeah. I've always yeah. liked, like, the second one. Mm-hmm. Like, I've always liked Sylvia's more than GTRs. Sure. I've sure. always liked GT-350's more than GT-500's. Sure. I'm talking about Mustangs. Yeah. I've always liked the, like, littler agile Sure. One. Yeah. You know, the fast one, even mm-hmm. though
0: I'm a big lumbering dope. <laughs> you know, Jeremiah is definitely a GT-500 guy. Jeremiah's yeah, GT-500 um, Nolan, probably GT-500 guy. GT yeah, guy.
3: Well, we'll see mm-hmm. what kind of cars i got in here. Nolan might be a GT-350 guy. Oh. I might be a... GT 1000 guy. How about yeah, that? yeah, yeah.
0: More
4: like GT 5000. More, yeah. like More like GT <laughs> 7000. <laughs> yeah. Sylvia's, oh. Uh, 911's, oh. Uh, Ferrari F 355's, oh. Uh, MR2's, oh. Uh, and BMW's, oh. Uh, Dominated <laughs> <laughs> class. But also, some truly wonky whips showed up to race.
3: There's a GT 300 uh, Prius. That
4: race like 10 years ago, yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Eddie would love that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, one of our directors, Eddie, had a Prius uh, six years ago. And it, smelled. it smelled Dude, this it actually looks, really looks
0: sick. Bad. Yeah. I know people on video who are watching on YouTube hate when we reference something that we're Googling. <laughs> but you can Google at home. Also, You're literally that, on your computer. Now that
4: we're on YouTube, you just throw a vid- uh, picture up. Yeah. Check that out. There throw it up that's from getty <laughs> that's from getty baby getty <sighs> while women were common hanging around the paddock they were not common behind the wheel kumi sato started her career by pacing 58th in the 1991 japanese touring car championship after she finished a degree in pharmacy sciences hmm.
0: whoa natural progression yeah
4: sato drove a slightly modified 1990 honda civic through the early 90s and switched to an mr2 before she turned her focus to jgtc today Sato is known for whipping a GT86 around rally courses. But back in 1997, huh. she showed up to the JGTC in a Chevy Cavalier. I hope you guys bought yours. <laughs> that sported a Toyota badge on its hood.
0: Oh, great. The donut effect is going to happen in my mm. three Cavaliers I have at home.
4: Well, then, if you already have one, then the donut effect's good. But if oh, you yeah, wanted true. one, you're just out of luck, buddy. That's why I told him to pause. <laughs> <laughs> the Toyota Cavalier was still front-wheel drive, but the team ripped out the 100-ish horsepower 2-liter four-cylinder motor and dropped in the 3S GTE turbo four-cylinder that was often found shoving around MR2s. The motor was cranked up to put down more than 300 horsepower. That's sick. That's wow. sick, dude. Yeah. If someone had this car at like a meet, oh yeah, it's like coolest car there. Yeah, definitely for sure and you know that guy's like kind of a dork he's got glasses yeah
0: sweat he's wearing sweat shorts he makes like uh warehouse software oh yeah totally (laughs) that's totally this guy's (laughs) (laughs) job i
4: think warehouse software (laughs) okay sato raced past skylines a 911 gt2 and even a lamborghini diablo as she secured a very solid fourth place at the Minier circuit. That's sick. She what? beat a Diablo. She beat a Diablo and a Scalun. Wow. <laughs> and a Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> this is her second race ever in the car. Wow. It was the best any female racer would do in JGTC. But from there, Sato went on to drive for Gazoo with a victory at the 2014 24 Hours at Nürburgring. That's sick. Now, while they were on the track at the exact same time, the whole vibe of GT500 was somewhat different. The inaugural season of JGTC's GT500 class went down while McLaren was at the top of its game. They just spanked every other team at Le Mans with their secret weapon, the McLaren F1 GTR. That'll do it. That'll do it. When they were looking around for other trophies to line their posh British fireplace.
0: Oh, it's so posh. (laughs)
4: well
3: i mean yeah we know ron dennis uh yeah it's posh and very you clean you know it's He's like clean guy dusted every day, oh, yeah. dusted every day. Oh, polished every God. week
0: yeah
4: was mclaren the one with the sega trophy
3: yeah i believe so yeah. i think ayrton was driving for them that. at that time yeah you want that trophy i
4: want that trophy so bad
3: dude we've said it before probably, on the podcast. probably get a deal for it
0: sega well
4: apparently Someone at McLaren might listen to Pass Gas (laughs) because we were talking about the Sega trophy. Apparently at the time it was away in storage and we were like, Well, if they're not using it, maybe they'll let us have it. Yeah. Yeah. And then apparently they brought it out. After that episode, they brought it out.
0: Like three days after that. Three days
4: after. So maybe someone heard it and was like, Oh, Oh, that's cool now. Yeah. We thought it was lame. So McLaren, let us borrow it. Let me see it. Let me see it, McLaren. (laughs) (laughs) The Gordon Murray-designed F1 GTR packed a mid-mounted 6,064 cc naturally aspirated BMW 12-banger that unleashed 620 horsepower, dude. (laughs) 479 twerks on the track. An engine that big gets hot. So they lined the engine bay with gold because it was the best-known heat deflector at the time.
0: I wonder if that's still true. If there's another material, there might be
4: one. But I, you do see gold in a lot of like, yeah, Yeah. still, Mm -hmm. still. The F1's top speed was 240 miles per hour, and it set a world record for zero to sixty at 3.2 seconds.
0: And it held that record for a good ten years. Ten
4: years, long time. Team Go G O H. Had just started racing, won most of the races during that first season of the new GT500 class, and then they vanished. It was the only time in JGTC history a non Japanese manufactured vehicle won the circuit. Those same Japanese manufacturers who dominated the tracks in earlier and later years of the JGTC weren't interested in another year of British bullying. So, under pressure of regulations, Team Go, GOH, decided to quit JGTC and instead focus on the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Team Go is a sick name for a reason. Yeah, pretty red. While everyone was focused on the McLaren blowing the doors <laughs> off of the competition, a familiar blue GTR was putting in laps and staying in the rearview mirror of Team Go GOH. The CalSonic <laughs> GTR sported the same livery as those past GTRs that raced on the same team and won 29 races straight. But this one had a little extra beans in the can. And some slantier headlights.
3: And like a big slice of bacon. Big old season, slice of seasoning. bacon. Bacon. Seasoning. Bacon.
4: Jamaican bacon. <laughs> Jake is making snake and bacon. Jamaican <laughs> Jake is making snake and bacon. We'll be right back with more of this story, but first a word from our sponsors.
3: While the CalSonic GTR that dominated Group A racing from 89 to 92 in Japan was an all wheel drive, 550 horsepower kaiju, the 96 version truly became King of the Monsters with its massaged RB26 and beefy turbos. Finally, CalSonic had started building Godzilla the way it should have been built. To the breaking point. I mean, I, I think the previous car
4: was pretty. Previous freaking, car was pretty great. This one's an R34. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. This time they knew the RB26 was rock solid motor. That <laughs> Nissan. I'm rock o- solid. Had overbuilt from the factory. I'm rock
0: solid
4: hearing about this car.
3: There you go. From the factory to take y- a serious. I need beating. a blow off valve. Oh boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. Extra coolant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh.
4: I need to line my underpants with gold. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Cal Sonic was going to squeeze every horse out of this engine oh, block. I that squeeze could. every horse out of my engine. <laughs> that is,
5: that.
4: I got to get him out of there. Oh, I'm going to go man. crazy. I'm going to act like a jerk. The
3: '96 Cal Sonic upgraded the newer R33. This time it was a little wider, a little more squat and sported the fully upgraded Atezza ETS Pro all-wheel drive system that now had a half-dozen years of track learning under its belt. The center diff got... I s- got a
4: half-dozen years <laughs> of track learning <laughs> under my oh, belt. Oh, boy. The center <laughs> gotta diff... got to tuck it in.
3: Sen- <laughs> got to tuck it up.
4: You got to tuck it up.
3: <laughs> All
4: this
0: track learning.
3: <laughs> the center diff got smarter and perfected how to send power to the axle that had the best grip at that moment.
0: And it had four-wheel steering, right? Was we that the
3: Okay. Oh no! Wait, that's high. Tezza's yeah. Hickass. ass. hick ass. I got a Hickass. ass.
4: I got hick ass. <laughs> got a bunch of horses up horses up
3: in there. <laughs> uh, mules. Uh, the motor was tuned to put out 650 horsepower to all four wheels through some. And it, you know, had some larger twin turbos. The body kit got a bit fatter and more effective in the aero department, as we mentioned in our. I drove every GTR video. Uh, That was the kind of prime focus for the R33 was aerodynamics and weight balance um, because that R32 was a blocky boy. Uh, Weight got shaved off below 2,500 pounds, and while the amazing R33 didn't win every race like the old days, it retained its legendary status and became a number one video game and model car choice for decades to come. Yes,
4: it did. Yes, it
3: did. While a Calsonic R33 was even more amazing than the R32, it proved that the other teams and other cars had gotten even more competitive. Nissan wasn't winning by default, and other competitors were ready for their victory laps. The next year, 97, the GT500 podium list looked more like the classic days of Japanese racing. You had Supras, GTRs, and NSXs driven by different teams fighting for first. One main standout that year, was a cleverly built Supra run by Castrol
4: Tom's. This one rules, too.
3: That's the one, baby. Castrol
4: Tom. All of these are, like, cars that you see on model boxes. Yeah, Yeah. dude.
3: Yeah. Castrol Tom's JGTC Supra is the reason (sighs) that people yell.
4: Is that a Supra? It's not, though. It's, eh. Eh. That's Fast and Furious, for sure.
3: The meme-worthy car wiped the smile off the faces of decades of GTR drivers, and Toyota did it by using their big old brain. JGTC rules required that any vehicle entered into a race- Oh,
4: right! This is awesome.
3: (laughs) Entered into a race sported a manufacturer's motor. Yeah. So teams weren't building prototype race motors. Mm -hmm. But nowhere in the rules did say anything about which engine could be used. So, you'd think up to this point, teams would be mixing and matching bodies and motors until they found the secret sauce. But no, that's not how Toyota did it. They got crafty first. Castrol Toms committed the holiest sin of Japanese auto racing and ripped that iron block 2JZ inline six out of their Supras and went digging through the parts bin at Toyota HQ. They dug out that same sprightly 3S GTE used in Sato's Toyota Cavalier and street-worthy uh-huh. MR2s and stuck it on a scale. The little turbo inline four-banger that was killing it on the rally circuit weighed in at 100 pounds less than the 2JZ, and it was a match Ooh. made in heaven for the 2,500-pound Supra.
4: Yeah, dude, the JGTC Supra did not have a 2J that's in it. pretty sick. I didn't wow. have I a did beams that. motor in it.
3: Yeah, that's awesome.
4: That's crazy.
3: Yeah. The, uh, let's see. So, One of my favorite
4: things. It was an. It was actually like, it's not from the Toyota Cavalier because the Cavalier's front, end, front wheel drive. Mm-hmm. This is from uh, Altezza. That's mm. sick.
3: So, yeah, through some tuning and tweaking. Or an
4: IS300 as we got in the States.
3: Ooh, yeah. Toms was able to push 480 horsepower and 470 pounds of torque out of this little tiny That's motor. That's nuts. So- in the uh,
4: 90s. Dude, I would love, love, love to have a Mark IV Supra with a 3S GTE in it. That's, that's like sick. probably the hardest street car. Yeah, that's pretty do. cool.
0: So what? So, what? I mean, you're saving 100 pounds, but how much more would the two Jay-Z 100 make? pounds. Oh.
4: I mean,
3: it
0: would probably well, make they're more They're still power. limited
3: yeah. to the power output, remember? Oh,
0: that's smart as yeah. hell.
3: Finally, Japanese racing was going global thanks to the very competitive teams and cars that hit the track starting in 1996. JGTC was mentioned alongside European Le Mans and American Stock Car Racing. Fans filled the stadiums, and you could find tens of thousands of people rooting for the homebred teams. While starry-eyed American teenagers watched on TV and dreamed of one day owning their very own GTR or Mark IV Supra at a huge markup.
4: Well, I don't think a lot of American teens were watching this in nineteen ninety six.
5: I think it's mostly they're playing the games. They're playing
4: the games, but mostly in hindsight, it's something that we were like, "Oh man, yeah, I wish we would us. That was cool." Yeah. Yeah.
3: These teenagers though couldn't own one, and it was made even more popular because that's how the scarcity principle works. So the Sylvia American gearheads got the 240SX and the you know Sentra that was front-wheel drive and automatic. There was the cool one though the SCR. Uh, anyway, it was all the golden age of JGTC.
4: Surprisingly, it wasn't ballooning budgets or out of control horsepower battles that killed JGTC. The racing series was more popular than ever, and in 2000, they hosted a special race in Malaysia. Though it did well, there was a problem. JGTC was considered a national championship by the Federation Internacional de Automobile, <laughs> which was a big deal for national pride. But the world stage beckoned, and there was no denying JGTC to the rest of the world. Malaysia stayed a special race for a bit of time, but eventually it became just another race on the calendar. JGTC even made its way to Fontana, California, and put on special exhibitions at the California Speedway. Dang, I wish we would have gone. Yeah. As JGTC became more of a phenomenon, that extremely shocking 1998 Tetsuya Ota Ferrari crash demanded attention from locals and, more importantly, international race organizers fiery crash was shocking and the video replays were all over the news for months which forced action from officials and other global racing events safety had been top of mind since crashes were more common but japan had avoided such a spectacle up until that point now though it was time to focus on drivers and fan safety i've never mm-hmm. seen this video i mean, i don't want to yeah i don't need to see it yeah the JAF made considerable changes to the safety regulations as more and more eyeballs fell on the events. Instead of GT500 and GT300 cars rushing out on the same grid, they were spaced out given separate starts. Racetracks across Japan were renovated and retrofitted to meet new standards. Track medical teams were trained to act instantly just like those in IndyCar racing. The results were worth the investment. To this day, There's not been a single fatality during a race. That's a good
0: change. That's great.
4: By 2004, the Federation Internationale de l'Automobile had enough and said, Il n'est
0: plus. Il n'est plus.
4: Because now JGTC was now racing all over the world with millions of fans, the Japanese Automotive Federation had to hand over control to the FIA.
0: That's messed up.
4: They also had to relinquish the title of national race in
0: favor of international. Like, how do they have jurisdiction over so many countries? That's kind of crazy, I think they huh? just use lawyers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I like the Disney of racing. Pretty much. Like the FIFA of racing. Oh, yeah, FIFA.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: JGTC announced they'd now be called Super GT World Challenge, but the FIA again said, no way. They forced them to drop World Challenge because it would be confused with the FIA's World Championship recognition status and the Sports Car Club of America's Speed World Challenge. Those two things are not confusing at all. Those (laughs) things mean something to me. (laughs) (laughs) JGTC went back to the drawing board and wound up just going with Super GT in the end. That's clean. Sounds very cool. It's clean. It's cool, but it also sounds fake. They kept the GT300 and GT500 classes, except now the GT500 cars are more like 650 horsepower, and the GT300s make around 500 horsepower, Mm. but the spirit is still there. If you turn on Super GT today, you'll see the same brands lining up newer versions of the same cars. Supras and NXXs are back, and GTRs have been replaced with the slick new Nissan Z. But because the rules have stayed fairly consistent, aside from some small adaptations to keep things interesting, it's just as fun to watch. (laughs) I'll check it out. It took a long time for Japan to get racing right. What seemed obvious to other racing bodies took a while for the JAF to figure out. Every few years, the JAF had to reset and get back to their roots. Cars that are attainable by regular folk on the track. Today, you can see that in races all over the world from street racing to stock cars. They're designed based on showroom cars and vehicles that you actually see on the road. Through savvy rule tweaking, the JAF was able to make race events that are still talked about every day and, more importantly, inspire people to build and drive their own cars in a way that's fun.
3: That is fun. That, that is, is fun. That's, cool. that's That's so fun. It's a good story. I should definitely check out some clips from that. They're probably, you know... Post highlights or whatever,
0: dude. Just seeing these cars is making me want to play like Gran Turismo again. And let's do it, dude. Yeah, I it. think we should set up a little championship. A uh, little championship, like a donut championship.
3: Mm-hmm. All right, we got some listener mail this week. Hey guys, John here from the East Bay. I was a bartender for almost ten years, and I love the show and I love what you guys do. I was just re-listening to the James Bond episode where James said that all martinis are shaken. Just so you guys Uh, know, uh all martinis should be stirred unless requested by the customer. When you shake a martini, it waters down the liquor by melting the ice, and most drinkers don't want watered down vodka or gin. Love you guys, and keep it juiced. Jonathan, thank you so much, Jonathan. I did not know that, and you learn stuff every day.
0: I think martinis should be watered down just a little bit, because they're very strong, especially if you get them dirty. You want a little Ice melting into that Olive juice Yeah it's
4: part of the thing It's part of the thing Jonathan But I
0: am totally wrong You totally
4: are stern You should stern Alright So thank you so much
3: for That was a long
0: time ago God get over it <laughs> I don't even drink anymore Also East Bay I love your shoes East send Bay me I a catalog. love the
4: shoes Send me a catalog And also CCS <laughs> <laughs> And Delia's All right, Don't, if
0: you don't even mention that If you just put it Into the ether CCS will send you Catalogs for the rest Of true. your life
3: That's true Thank you so much for listening or watching the show. You can check us out on Donut Podcast on YouTube. We are on video now. Uh, Leave a review. Recommend it to your friends. Thank you, uh, boys. Uh, Follow James on all social media at James Pumphrey. Follow Joe at Joe G. Weber. Follow me at Nolan J. Sykes. We'll see you next time.
4: See you next time. I love you. Go to Donutmedia.com. Buy a shirt or a hat. Uh, There's a bunch of stuff up there already. Past guest stuff will be there soon.